This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Today, Rado runs through his top 10 Kickstarter games. Although, this is not the first time I've done it. Uh, Long-time fans of the show know, uh, about five years ago, I got on camera and waxed rhapsodic about how great Kickstarter is for the industry. And it's only gotten better since. And so I thought it was time to update the list, because so many amazing things have come out since then. And what I'm doing today, really, is my top 10 games that have come out in the last five years. Because if you want to know more, you can go check out the original run-through. You can uh, hit that I in the top right corner of the screen. Or go check the show notes if you would like to hear about an additional 10. Um, so, I'm going to be kind of cult of newish today, quite frankly, which is why I'm happy to have some special guests. Let me bring them on. Hey, guys. We're in. Woo! Yes. Shelf side. Yes. New guys, apparently. Shelf side. Anyway, so. In the yeah. house. Everybody, yeah. this is Ash... And Dan, um, or actually, I guess it'd be Dan and Ash uh, from left to right. Uh, they put out a wonderful, wonderful YouTube show called Shelfside. Links for that are up uh, on that eye in the corner of the screen or down in the show notes. I really love their stuff so much that I actually backed them on Patreon. Um, yes, that, well, actually, after that face, I don't know if I love you quite so much. That was. That was something. <laughs> um, but, okay, you guys do reviews. You do actually a lot of comedy sketch, which uh, is brave, because board game comedy is hard. But I really do actually uh, enjoy your, your series on every Gloomhaven character in existence kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so for diehard Gloomhaven fans, I think you can't help but at least give a few appreciative chuckles. And, I mean, you guys cover all kinds of stuff. You guys cover um, some Kickstarter stuff as well. And I figured it'd be good to have and additional couple of voices. So, are you good to go? Yep. I am, here. Yeah. We got our top ten. You got your top ten. Yes. Let's go. Although, strictly speaking, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have two top fives, right? That you've just kind of melded into a top ten? So, kind of. I think it's uh, it's almost like his top five, my top four, then one we're very in agreement on. What, that you both hate? No, no, we both really <laughs> want. <laughs> it is the top ten, right? Yeah, what, why would we hate this? Yeah, what's what? this with other one? It's our favorite games. Yeah. We both agree it's really good. Okay. So we have Ashton's top four and Dan's top six, is what you're saying, combined into a list. (laughs) In a way, yeah, sure. Sure. Work with me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we'll see how it works out. You guys have one mic for two guys, and uh, you'll be taking whichever ones you really like. And uh, we'll have to wait on that, though, because we're going to start with me. Let me get the uh, PowerPoint up and running. Okay, the PowerPoint. By the way, folks, we had a lot of technical difficulties before we started. And in my frustration uh, with audio woes, apparently I completely shut down PowerPoint. But we are not going to restart. <laughs> We're going to do it live. Hold on, let me um, fire up PowerPoint again. I can't believe this. My whole life I've had this really... Or, <laughs> I, I obsessively close windows because I'm an old school PC or where in Windows 3.1 you didn't have enough resources to keep everything running. And it causes me no end of grief. Let me go back. All right, there's the PowerPoint. He's not the only one with the technical issues because uh, we're supposed to have, you know, two mics. But this That's a good-looking mic there. Yeah, it's supposed to be like this, but for some reason it only goes through that, yeah. so... 
You'd be fighting over this the whole show. <laughs> so long story short, folks, we are all complete technical incompetence. And please expand us a bit of grace and patience as we try to get through this 10, starting with my number 10, the Isle of Cats, which I absolutely love. Um, this is a really hot game. Kind of came out of nowhere. I covered it when it was on Kickstarter. Uh, it really blew up the next year when it hit retail. And it is an awesome cross between card drafting, like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go, and polyomino um, tile laying, like uh, patchwork or something like that. Because we have gone to a mystical Isle of Cats, and we have to save all the cats from the pirates that are coming that want the mystical cats. And the first half of every round, you're doing a really tense card draft, because those cards give you the resources you need to be able to collect the cats from the island. But then the cats come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It's very, very difficult to get them to fix, to fit on your um, ship but if you can do it right, they can cover up rats so you don't lose points. You can find treasures and squeeze them in. You can get bonus points if like-colored cats are next to each other. And it's just, it's really kind of two awesome games that have been squished together. And the game is better than the sum of its parts. I absolutely love it. And um, while by default you play it, it's a really crunchy game for really hardcore gamer geeks. It also comes with an excellent kind of gateway, uh, more family-friendly set of rules that really simplifies and streamlines it. I have successfully played this with my mother-in-law, which is really saying something. She loved cats. She had a good time with us. Uh, Isle of Cats is my number 10. Cat Tetris, let's go. Okay. Um, shall we move on to yours? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Then tell yeah, us hold. all about... Yeah, hold, yeah, 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 hold, hold it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Tainted Grail. <laughs> so this is a very story-driven game about being the not-so-glorious not so heroes initially in the world of uh, Arthurian legend. You're... Specifically, you're like the number two heroes, all right? Because like, yeah. the town sent off the actual heroes. They're like, oh, those guys, they didn't come back. Uh, you guys go next. <laughs> Yep, so you're playing a survival game. You're trekking across the world of Avalon, but there's a lot of really dark, grim stuff. There's this thing called the weirdness that is going across the land. You've got to go to all these places that might, found, might sound very familiar in the Arthurian legend, like Camelot. That's not a spoiler, right? I mean, yeah, they mentioned Camelot. I think they, I think they mentioned that in the rule book. I think you're okay. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah think of the weirdness as like this all-encompassing fog where if you're in it, weird stuff just happens. Makes no sense at all, all right? It's just horrifying stuff within the like fogs of weirdness and that's like the driving force of, like okay why is this coming back to the island let's go figure out what's going on nice set of mystery right or nice sense of mystery i should mm -hmm. say because you're just going like well the weirdness it's causing this weird stuff to happen what's up with that how do we stop this weirdness from encroaching on us and that's basically your first like hook into you know what's going on and the gameplay yeah, is all card driven right yep so you have a bunch of cards and also the the things on the board on the left side that you see on the screen, those are like the places you go to, locations, and those are those are cards. Those are big fat cards. You also got a really big storybook, which tells you what is going on when you go to a location. Oh, there we go, a bit of it there. It's yeah. like we planned so this it, almost. Yeah, it's like you read. So you go to a location, you're like, oh, I'm gonna do such and such, and then you read what happens. Maybe it has something that corresponds to your character's attribute. If you see on the right side, that's the character board. You have a bunch of different stats like aggression, empathy, caution, and those all factor into these like. Uh, encounters on the board and also you got combat and you got diplomacy and those are card driven mm -hmm. yeah pretty much every time a big bad comes to you it could be a person who's angry at you is like yo man give us some food or something that's diplomacy sometimes you get attacked by a big bear that's combat you're trying to kill it yeah. sometimes you fail diplomacy it turns into combat so 
That's the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we really like about this game is the story is like amazing. I actually haven't ever played a board game that has enthralled me in this sort of sense of this. There's just so much mystery around every corner. Okay. You feel like you go to a location, just stuff is happening that intrigues me. It, yeah, there's like there's I don't want to spoil too much about the game, but there are certain factions you can align with. There's a lot of different stretching story paths and there's a lot of cool twists. And so and for you guys, I mean, here's the way to say, and, and oh, this is mostly Ash, right? This is your choice. This is on your list. It's you like the gameplay. You love the world. You love the story, right? I, I, I would say this is more Daniel's. Pick. Oh, was it Daniel's yeah, pick? Was Daniel was the goth yeah. one. Okay, my mistake. Yeah, I just have a thing for Dark Souls. What can I say? This game is based on Dark Souls. Come on. Like, look at the box. There's like literally a bonfire. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Yeah, it is super popular. Um, we did. Jen and I did play the prototype of it. And what you love about it is what made us not play because it was a little bit too dark for Jen. I mean, really, really dark. But that's what keeps you coming back for more. I mean, Dark Souls, man. They're uh, they're gripping. So it's... All right. Then let's move on to my um, number nine. Tiny Epic Defenders. And this one, I expect I'm going to get a lot of pushback because there's a lot of folks out there that do not like Tiny Epic Defenders at all. But for my money, it is the best of all the Tiny Epic games. It is very pandemic-esque. The core structure of how you are basically just running around a little meeple um, in a tiny, tiny kingdom going up against epic dangers. And um, it's a really, really simple game that's driven mostly by this event deck. It's a deck of cards that you go through, and every card in the deck is either another bad guy that's going to attack one of the different regions of the world, or it's a card that says, oh, you, player, blue player, you get to go now. And um, what happens is, it's interesting about this game, is that deck grows over the course of the game. It's kind of like a deck builder, where I don't build a deck for my character. It's that the game builds a deck for the world, and more and more monsters will show up in that deck. And because we are going to go through that deck multiple times, times and as it gets bigger we have an idea of where the monsters are going to attack because there is no way just um two players or however many players can possibly save this world which is under constant attack unless you can anticipate where the bad guys are going to be before they're going so the second time you've gone through the deck and you know based on the monsters that are in the deck in this game the port is getting attacked the port is going to get attacked three times before we get through the deck the desert we could ignore it it's not even getting attacked at all so let's focus over there but um you get into a situation where, oh my gosh, if I would just go over to the forest right now, I could do this, but then I'd have to leave my post on the port, and that's the one time that the port comes out. But, um, so it's, it has kind of that pandemic feel of, if, if I assume you guys know pandemic, after you have to reshuffle <laughs> the virus cards and put them back on the top, you're constantly worried, oh, is Chicago going to get hit? I know Chicago's going to get hit. This kind of really doubles down on that, um, you know, and makes the whole game center on that your imperfect ability to anticipate where the bad guys are going to go. On top of that, if you get the second edition, it's got gorgeous art. It's got tons of playable characters that are really unique. Lots of really amazingly cool boss fights. And um, yeah, it's... I mean, it's truth in advertising. It is a tiny, epic, cooperative adventure. Or it's, it's an epic uh, defense cooperative adventure in a very, very tiny package. And I love it to pieces. Uh, it's my number nine. Tiny, epic defenders. Uh, I have a quick question. How long does this game take? Because you keep comparing it to Pandemic. Um, it's, it was shorter. I mean, I think Jen and I, we generally get through a game in about a half an hour. Um, and oh, that nice. almost includes setup as well. Because it's very, very quick to set the game up. You just pull it out 
throw the environments out there, shuffle up, uh, you know, the the encounter deck, and um, and j- just get, pick a couple characters and just get going, and you're off to the races. So um, it's not quite a filler; it's a little bit more than that. But um, yeah, it's probably we play is in about a half to two thirds of the time of a regular game of Pandemic. Cool, Good cool. Question. Well, that immediately makes you more interested in it than Pandemic. I will say that. Oh my. <laughs> Well, Pandemic wasn't going to show up on anybody's list anyway because it's never been. Might be a little bit at odds here on our pandemic opinions. Yeah, pandemic for me at least goes on a little too long for what it is, but this sounds right up my alley actually. Maybe so so, then. Maybe so. Um, Okay. Well, what is your guys's number nine? Right. Oh. Oh man, this one. Okay. I love leader gamesters doing crazy asymmetric stuff. Right. This game, no different, but the asymmetry comes in a different way because instead of just like oh say root. Where it's like, hey, everyone picks a faction, and this faction does X amount of nonsense, and that one does that amount of nonsense. And this, right, everyone's just basically like their own faction of like a kingdom that's like, you know, partaking in this world where like, okay, there's a chancellor, right? That's like immediately some asymmetry going on. Right? Some, some guys going to have like a bunch of power. He has like you know, a bunch of guys over the land. And the rest of people are just kind of just fighting him over that land. But as you play the game, right, as you start like controlling certain areas, drawing certain cards... You get super asymmetric anyways because everyone has like different abilities from different cards are drawing, different lands that will let them do different things. You can also play cards onto lands, which modify what happens when you own the land. It gets out of control pretty quickly, but it's also really fun. All right, it just gets like to these points of like, okay, there's dumb, insane politics happening that are so entertaining because it's like that guy. Maybe, maybe that guy over there, he's the king of the bandits, right? He, he got like the bandit crown, so he just controls all the areas. When you say no that guy, you mean another stuff. player, right? Yeah, like yeah, another okay. player, yeah. So, like, oh, admit it, now that's something like a really fun, like, politics sort of talk about. I was like, oh, like, if I'm bargaining with him, you know, I want him on my side or whatever, he has, like, that crazy ability where he just owns all the land and no one's actually on. And my, I might have something where it's like, oh, like, I have a dumb ability where it's like, oh, I'm, like, combining these, like, three cards that let me, like, snowball my units in, like, a massive force. And, like, I can just death ball people every time I'm fighting, right? And then as you start talking about, like, what people are capable of, right, there's also, like, different win conditions that change every game. And then on top of that, uh, on subsequent games, right, Chancellor might pass around because it goes to, like, the person who actually, like, won the previous game. So the politics, like, has this insanely cool legacy effect to it also, which you just don't see in other games. But it's not, like, just, like, campaign or anything. It's just, like, no, it's just more like the game kind of remembers the last, like, two or three games oh. where, like, just things happened. Okay. So it's just, like, kind of just endlessly entertaining in that sense. You just kind of keep playing it. Just new things will just always happen. And so that's and, and, so impressive. And you said this is from Leader Games. Um, oh, which, by the way, I should say, folks, um, neither Shelfside nor I have actually covered Oath on our channel, so I just used uh, Leader Games video so you could see a little bit of it. Thanks, Leader Games, for providing the video. Um, so is this a Root-style war game? With politics layered on top? Uh, kind of, because, like, okay, in Root, like, you know, like, there's, like, these different, like, paths that connect to the areas, mm-hmm. right? In this game, the game, or, like, the board is just kind of, just, like, divided into, like, three columns, and each column has, like, one to three, like, uh, land cards in it. And you just move between the cards. Oh, okay. So it's nowhere near as, like, area controlling, like, but there still is, like, an area control, like, feel to it. But, yeah, no, it's, like, not as, like, intense as, like, Roots. Okay, so. okay, okay. So, yeah, it's, it's less of a dudes-on-a-map fighting game. It's an area control game with a lot of politics and an ongoing storyline where the world changes and stays changed from one game to another. Exactly. You know how they say some games are a love letter to a, cer- a certain genre they or whatever? This game feels like an fu letter to legacy games because there is no real campaign there is no real unlockables maybe after your first game it locks a bit but you can just play infinitely or you can just play like three times and have a grand old time there's no set goal which i think really makes it fresh in the 
a, a field filled with legacy games right now. There's so many legacy games. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know you play through multiple games in a campaign. Does the campaign come to an end or can it go forever? And you could be on your 50th well, is- game and, oh, we're still dealing with changes to the world that happened in our third game kind of a thing. I wouldn't even call it a campaign. Okay. I would just call it games influence each other. Wow. Okay. And, so there's not even yeah, a storyline yeah. pulling this all together. It's just that at the end of this game, hey, the, the, the sea is boiled and there's no more water. And that means the next game is going to be very different. That kind of thing? Yeah. Like basically think of it as like, uh, like I think probably the last like two to three games are going to be like the ones that like impact your current one okay, the most. Okay. Right. Like there's no way it's going to be like 50 games. You still remember what's going on in the third mm. game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just kind of keeps going on forever. And the stories that come out of it are always just whatever the players are doing because players are just end up doing just wacky nonsense because of just how asymmetric you can get people with how the cards you can get. So. All right. Yeah. So, and... The stories without flavor text, too. Very cool. Oh, really? Okay. So, you know, unlike Tainted Grail, this is not a heavy storytelling game. This is all about the stories that you create as the world evolves. Exactly. Okay. People are just going to do funny things and they're going to be really memorable. Yeah. So, great, great game for just causing just funny experiences. Yeah, actually, one of my favorite dynamics is the Chancellor and the Exiles. Yeah. And the Exiles can actually become a citizen of the Empire. And you can beg and plead to become a citizen, which is what I did in one of uh-huh. my games. And eventually, when you get to be a citizen, you get to control the Chancellor's units, which is so and satisfying. And the Chancellor's another player. Can... The Chancellor's like the king okay, of the okay, land. Okay, it's yeah. the purple uh-huh. guy yeah, on the board right there. Yeah, and then you can actually turn against the Chancellor, too. So there's always that room for, like role-playing like please sir just let me let me be the citizen wow. he's like no no i'm not going to give it to you and he has like a royal scepter there's just a lot of things you could do <laughs> okay uh yeah but if you're a care bear like me and you're looking to avoid conflict heavy area control probably a pass but if you like that it's a must try i would predict this game doesn't go well at two oh either. really so. because there's less politics it's all yeah you really need the politics uh they say for your first game play with three okay. or four all right okay yeah. well i was excited for a bit and now I'm sad. <laughs> okay, but that was your number nine. Go ahead. Oath. Alrighty. Well, moving on to my number eight. I love Calico so much. It is such an amazing, simple... Like uh, my previous game, Tiny Epic uh, Defenders. It's a really deep, big, big game in a super tiny box. It's a simple hex-based tiling. And um, every time you play, you, you're trying to make a quilt... That it looks so wonderful and comfy that a bunch of cats will curl up and take a nap, and that's how you score points. Um, but you have three objective tiles on your quilt that indicate that you're trying to get the right patterns in the right place. And the problem is, your board is so tiny that these objectives inevitably will conflict in some way. And every tile you place down to try to do better on this one will mess up your chances on the other one. But then on top of that, there are also public objectives that are tied to the cats. And it is it is a blast. It's another very quick game, under a half an hour, and yet during that 30 minutes, I mean, you will just, just curl up in knots as things get so tense, as you're so desperate for that one tile that you've been waiting for the whole game, and oh, please, no one take it. Oh, no, they took it. All right, well, there goes that objective. But okay, that means I can really focus like a laser on this other one. Um, it's got great components. It's uh, got a really good solo mode as well. Uh, it is just absolutely phenomenal and it's another one that is really blown up uh and uh, taking on a big i mean i'm not saying this is like the heir apparent to azul or anything like that those are strong words but i mean calico i think is kind of in that same wheelhouse and i love it so much i would rather be playing it right now than talking to you quite frankly but um that will have to wait uh my number eight calico i don't know if you guys know this one yeah i know a bit about it actually when i look at this board i think of castles of yes 
I see the hexes, Castles of Burgundy. And actually, you were the one that introduced me to Castles of Burgundy, funnily yeah. enough. So how does this compare to uh, Castles of Burgundy? Uh, well, well, first of all, it takes place, I mean, you can finish it in like a third, almost a quarter of the time. Um, but wow. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Castles of Burgundy, you, you do a bunch of stuff to get the tiles so you can, you know, do your tile laying. This is just gets right to the metal. You're, every turn, you're just going to grab a new tile and put it someplace. But it does, you're right, it does engender a lot of the same kind of tension of, can I get the right tile? Because, you know, in Burgundy, I need to finish this one little town so I can get the big score before this round is up. And in this game, you get that same, I'm just so desperate. <laughs> because every tile has a color and it has a pattern. So, you know, those things affect the different objectives you're going for, but it also affects the different cats because the cats care about different things. Uh, You know, every tile placement has like five or six things you have to consider. And so even though it's an incredibly tiny little board, what is it? It's a, I think it's a a five by five board of tiles. Every one of them just matters so much. And it's one of the reasons it's so great and people love it to bits. My number eight, Calico. And uh, let's see, moving right along, your guys' number eight. Sweet, yeah. So this, this goes back into the Awakened Realm's grim and dark yes. thing. So this is all about surviving a real war. It's called the Siege of Sara Sarahivo. Well, Sarajevo. the game is called not this sure war. Of mine. That correct. Yeah, but it is literally about surviving this siege that happened yeah. in real life, and you are controlling a band of survivors going along in a house, which is like the center of the board. You see the minis mm-hmm. at right now, and they have to do things during the day to fix their house, cook food clean up and then during the night you go on these things called scavenging and that's how you actually get food to survive because you can't sustain yourself so the game is meant to be extremely punishing but also the stories that come from it are really really gripping it really makes you think about war in this dark serene way that i don't quite get from reading historical books which is really crazy like this is a game unlike anything else on this list where i just like i can enjoy it a lot without laughing right (laughs) And I can even enjoy it a lot solo. I'm not really a big solo player. So if you see on the on the uh, the screen right now, there's a lot of stuff to yeah. manage. There are so many things, and that's where the survival thing comes in. Because you got wood to manage, you got water, you got different types of food. There's like vegetables, just canned food, and that really just brings you into this this grim dark world where you need to manage everything perfectly to survive. But even if you do, it's still war. So stuff can just happen, and you can just get shot and die. And that's kind of the the beauty of it not dragging on, it's not a campaign, it's very self-contained, and it, it feels okay to lose, mm. because it's thematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a game where you do not want to get attached to your characters, because it's exactly, guaranteed yeah. they will not make it out alive, and you will be forced to make really heartbreaking decisions. It's interesting that this and Tainted Grail are both on your guys' list, because you're right, they're both Awakened Realms, they're both incredibly grimdark, one dark fantasy, this one dark reality. Does this just say something about, are, are you guys okay? Are, are you? <laughs> I haven't even played oh, really? this game, so. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, I think you received this, like, uh, way back before we got vaccinated, so. Yeah, but you know, about, uh, you know about the video game, right? I do know about the video game more. I'm also uh, uh, of the thought or of the awareness that, like, I think you said in the review that, like, the characters have, like, their own, like, personal stories, like, oddly enough, and, like, they tie into the story in, like, you know, pretty personal ways. So the fact that that exists and, like, on top of that, it, just kind of get killed off. Didn't you say that was like even more like heart wrenching? Yeah. So we'll do that thing. You see right there. Oh, um, so there's a journal. There's also this book of secrets, which is a hundred thousand text booklet mm-hmm. of just stories that can happen. And there will be some times where it asks you if you're playing with this character, then go to this verse. And then you read something very specific to that character. 
and then that's where you really get the feels going because you're like, like man this guy was a deserter and now he's in this new situation and because he's a deserter he acts like this in this crazy thing and now he he dies in a certain way or he has like a family that he lost yeah it's, it's very dark we're okay we're okay yeah, Richard. Yeah. we're doing okay but man this game just just does that dark well like yeah i highly recommend it if you want some historical yeah. survival i games. mean it's also, a faint, I would argue that Tainted Grows is actually a little more goofy than Dark. Oh, really? But that's just because the gameplay can make it very oh, silly. Oh, 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 meaning that you can you can play it for laughs, whereas this one, you can't make fun of this content. Yeah, I mean, you might have some com- comedic relief, but the game is so grounded in reality that you want to take it seriously. It is weird. I mean, you guys, again, folks, don't be misled. Your guys' channel is really lighthearted. You just did, you just <laughs> did a Kickstarter video the other day for Farts and Fairies. We did. So, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> any game, any game goes, yeah. right? As long as we yeah, enjoy yeah. it, I'd like to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll hold the mic. <laughs> Sorry, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Dan is your guy for holding the mic. You hold the mic for me. Yeah, we know who's the boss. Okay, well, cool. It's 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 a brilliant game, um, and it's amazing to me too. I had thought Jen, my wife, wouldn't be interested in playing it because it is so incredibly dark. And, you know, the darkness of Tainted Grail was a turnoff. But here she did find herself pulled in. I mean, because it is so emotionally affecting. And, um, yeah, I can't imagine playing it with a big group. It'd be, but, you know, for the two of us, I mean, yeah, sometimes it just hits you so hard. You just have to stop and you just sit there in silence for a bit and just, what just happened? It's, it's, incre- it's an incredible experience um, that you know, shows what board games can do, quite frankly. Yeah. And an excellent mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Alrighty. I hope my number seven is happier. I don't remember. Let's take a look. Okay. Role player. Oh, that's a nice, happy, upbeat game. Um, yeah. <laughs> so role player is another very, very puzzly Euro game where the, our whole point is we are trying to create a, a the, the perfect fantasy adventure character, which means we are literally trying to get our attribute stats for strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, um, wisdom and charisma. Yeah, th- those are the six classic Dungeon and Dragon traits. And every round, there's going to be three dice that are available, um, and players, or in a two-player game, there's going to be one more than number of players available. Players take turn grabbing a die, and um, you're trying to get dice because, say, I am a, I- I'm trying to make a cleric. That means I need to get my wisdom at an 18. It has to be a perfect 18. But my char- uh, my charisma has to be between 12 and 15. So if I get this five die, am I going to put it in the charisma row because I um, because or am I gonna try, because if I put it in the dexterity or the uh, what's it my wisdom row I need to get three sixes to hit that perfect eighteen if I put a five there I'm ruining my chances but I might want to do it anyway because every time I put a die in the different rows that immediately gives me a benefit that lets me manipulate dice move dice around flip dice re-roll dice or um, get discounts on purchases because after I've taken my die and I plopped it into place and I'm hopefully getting closer to the perfect character we then get to go shopping with our gold and buy armor and weapons and if you get them the expansions familiars and all other kinds of stuff and so there's this whole economic game going on too that will lead to set collection and special powers and whatnot it's incredibly crunchy it seems like it'd be so simple and you would expect oh this is almost like a party game a lightweight game where people can just roll some dice grab some stuff and see who their character is but it's not it is fiendishly uh uh puzzly and again like calico i mean this is just a recurring thing for me you will find yourself having to make really agonizing decisions because you can the dice they'll they won't give you what you want but they'll give you what you need if you can solve the puzzle and uh, it's one both jen and i love to pieces my number seven role player 
You know, funny enough. Oh, I moved on. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay, we can go on. Sorry, folks, there's a bit of a spoiler. Did you have something to say about role player? I was just going to make a quick little joke in that. Sometimes when me and my friends play D&D and we're making characters, like the process can be so grueling long because you want to like, get everything just right that, you know, I was about to say, yeah, role player might encapsulate that feeling really well. It does. Actually, actually <laughs> I think that's true. And the interesting thing is they're coming this year, I believe, there's a new spinoff game called Role Player Adventure where after you're done playing a game of role player and you've created your, let's see, what am I working on now? Or, or the, um, It's a street urchin, bard, elf, elvish bard street urchin character who is, I can't quite make out what the alignment is, but or, or but they're a maniac. <laughs> um, after you've created that character, you can take that character into Role Player Adventure, which is a big, sprawling, you travel the world, you fight monsters, you go on quests, it's got a storybook and all of that. So that is actually a really, really cool feature of the game. Because I do know some people complain that, hey, yeah, after the game's over, I've made this character, what am I going to do with it? Now, if you get the expansions, the, mo- the minions and monsters and the fiends and familiars, you get to actually fight creatures all the way through as you're leveling up your character. But that, to me, that's all beside the point. I just really like the puzzle of making the perfect character. I mean... I don't know how many characters I would make and roll up as a kid because I love Dungeons and Dragons and I had no one to play it with. So I would spend all my time making awesome dungeon maps that no one would play on and awesome characters that no one would play with because I was a lonely kid growing up on a boat. It was very sad. And, uh, wow, yeah, that just took a dark turn. And this was supposed to be the upbeat one after your guys' stuff. Come on, on, Care Bear, what's going on? (laughs) All right, let's let's see if you can uh, pick it up and uh, make everybody smile with your number seven. Oh, let's just go back. Oh, wait, oh go you back got something more to say. say something. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, I just want to say real quick, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, Richard. Growing up, I used to love creating characters for uh, yeah. role-playing games similar to D&D with yeah. my friends. So that whole adventure thing you talked about, that looks right up my alley. Well, yeah. I mean, I just want to throw that out there. Let's just get, okay, now we know what the next one is. That's Daniel's game. Let's okay. Get to it. Hey, Daniel, what's your, no, what's your number seven? Well, my number seven is Everdell, and this game has a giant tree on it. I am not even kidding. Like the, the camera. Can I don't know if I, if you're going to see the tree, unfortunately, because I'm. Uh, for folks who are on the podcast, we're watching video of my run through of it, and I think I'm zoomed in on the action right now. But the man does not lie. It is a ridiculously gigantic tree. Yeah, so imagine like a big like punch out, like you know, like the the, the, the uh, dice tower from Wingspan, right? Tree is kind of similar. We have to like put put it together using like some cardboard punch outs, right? And it is massive. This game, when I saw it on Instagram, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I was like, that is so cool. I need to buy it, like, right now. I, like, knew nothing about the game. Now that I've actually played it a bit, I'm like, wow, I actually really enjoy these games of mechanics. Like, this is probably, like, my go-to just, like, this tree! Game. It's just like, Oh, you saw it for a second. I, I, I there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, my go-to to play in, like, an hour or so. It's just like, okay, there's, like, a lot of mechanics that games I actually really enjoy. Right? First of all, when you're, like, building, like, a little town, your tableau, right, you can have a maximum of 15 cards in front of you, mm-hmm. right, through the entire game. And those cards you put in front of you stay with you. So you have to make decisions of like, oh, some cards do a really cool thing right off the bat, but then doesn't really do anything afterwards. So you're just playing it just to get like a quick tempo right. boost. And other cards you play there because you're trying to call them with other cards or they give you like stuff over time, like their value, uh, or like they link up with other cards. So for example, like uh, like this farm in that picture right there, like on the bottom, there's like an icon of like another like animal. Like you have like these little critters that have certain buildings they like combo with. And you can play them for free on those buildings to like get even bigger benefit out of them. All right, so there's, like, all this cool, like, uh, nuance in the game where you're, like, looking for very specific cards, but at the same time, you're also, like, thinking, like, why? I should probably also, like, be playing these, like, temple cards and get me the resources I need to actually be able to, you know, play those other bigger cards. Are you calling them... And on top I'm sorry, of that, you keep calling them like really cool, tempo like, cards? Is that a term I don't know? I'm using, like, magic. magic oh, it's a... So, like, okay, magic. all right. Yeah, I, I use temple as, like, a common term in, like, pretty much everything because okay. it's, like, it's a very ubiquitous term, right? Because, like, some cards, you play them, 
they gave you a tempo boost. Like you just uh, you're ahead on resources versus everyone else. But I've never heard that. Term. Probably at a cost, right? You just took up a slot in your town, and also I was a card you had to play. Okay, for, okay, right? yeah. So, yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, back to what I was uh, gonna say uh, right after that. So um, this game also has a really cool like seasonal like mechanic. So there's four seasons, right? And once uh, we call it the four seasons out for you, then the game's over for you only. So that's like a right. really weird thing. Where like in this game, it's not just like everyone ends at the same time, or sorry, ends their season at the same time. Like once you're done like placing all your meeples down, you have to go like, hey, I'm individually going to the next season. I'm going from spring to like summer or whatever, right? And you pick back up your meeples and then you, like you are in summer, but else could still be in spring. So there's totally strategies you can do where he's just like, hey, I'm just going to just rush through the game and just go like, ah, bye, 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 spring, summer, fall, winter. It's like, bam, done. And other players are still just like doing mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. thing, right? And like, I find that so interesting. Like, I don't think I've seen a game where it's like, hey, like, people can just end the game individually for themselves at different yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Which is all about that tempo. Look at that. I, I, I did a callback. <laughs> now, here's my question. Um, I mean, I played it some when I did the coverage. A lot of people, the number one complaint this game gets by far is the luck factor because you've got this gigantic, dinormous deck of cards. And like you said, most of the cards will combine with other cards. And so, hey, once I've got this card, I want to find this other card and I may never find it. And a lot of people say, well, that just means whoever gets lucky and finds their combos first wins the game. Do you believe that? Is that your experience? Uh, I do not. I mean, I, I will. Okay, I won't say that the RNG like doesn't play a factor mm -hmm. at all, but there's definitely points in the game where you should be going like, I, sh I need to change plan because right now what I'm doing is too slow. Like you can't just fixate on that one card and just desperately look for like what you need yeah. for it. You should be also just doing other stuff in the meantime. And you'll probably find that as you start like just playing more stuff, you start finding that oh, I need other yes. cards too, right? And you have to be really unlucky to like not get one of the common pieces for like say like three or four of the cards because your hand limit is eight, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So it's pretty likely you're going to get something that works, right? You can't just, like, play exactly like you want. You have to, at some point, react and make difficult decisions. Like, oh, I'm going to commit to this guy instead of that guy, you know? Yeah, like, yeah it, is, it is a gorgeous game. Uh, you know, very popular worker placement game. The art is incredible. And, uh, and you just said RNG, also the Random expression. Number Generator, which uh, is a term you use all the time on your channel. You're taking that from Magic again, aren't you? I don't remember where I learned that one from, but probably yeah. Magic, I guess. Like, it's a term used a lot, like, just in general. Like, tempo is less used in uh, spaces outside of Magic, but RNG, I hear that okay. a lot. Not that it matters. So. It has nothing to do with this list, but I just find it interesting. I don't hear people often just drop RNG in random conversation, but that's what makes Dan special. <laughs> Randomly yeah. generated conversation. This is what we talk about all the time. RNG this, <laughs> RNG that. I think it's from uh, competitive card games. We grew up playing that yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just toss around Yu-Gi-Oh quite a bit, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, this is an excellent one. It'll be interesting to see, after this is up and live, what the audience response is, mine versus yours. I've got, a, I think, a little bit more esoteric stuff. I mean, you guys are going for... I mean, Everdell is so well-loved and with very good reason. Cannot uh, fault you for it. Your guys's or Dan's, number seven specifically, but as a group, Everdell. All right, then we move on to my number six, Circle the Wagons. Another little esoteric game that probably very few people have heard of, but I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's from Button Shy Games, and their specialty is coming up with really interesting, compelling games that are micro in size. They're just like 15, 18 cards. You can put the whole game in your wallet or in your back pocket and take it with you anywhere. And Circle of I played several of their games. Circle of Wagons is the best one for our taste. It is a competitive game where you take the 18 cards, shuffle them up, 
three of them at random you flip over and those will be the three objectives you have to pursue as you're trying to build your own little wild west frontier and everybody's competing or the two players it's a two-player game are competing to make the best wild west frontier so every time you play you're going to get a different combination of three objectives taken from the 18 that's going to make it feel radically different right off the bat and that is so simple and elegant and yet so deep and provides so much replayability out of 18 freaking cards but the rest of it is uh the the other cards that are face down and they represent all the terrain that you can conquer basically um, are um, lined up in a circle around the objectives. That's the circling of the wagons. And when it's your turn, you can just grab the next card that's in the row or that, you know, it's in the circle and add it and, you know, try to put it down such that you're getting, you know, a bigger lake or mountains next to mountains or building towns or wagons or, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do based on the objectives. But often, that's not the card you want. The card you want is three steps further along the wagon wheel. And if you say, well, okay, I'm going to skip that card. I'm going to skip that card. I'm going to skip that card to get this card because this is perfect. Because this will actually push me forward on two of the three objectives. My opponent gets all three of those cards that I just skipped. And it, that can be incredibly painful. But again, that's where the tension comes from because, you know what? Okay, I should really skip those three cards. There's no way I am giving you, Dan, three cards. I'm just not going to do it. So I'll just take the next one. And then Dan says, okay, yeah, I see how important that is. I'll skip the two cards. You can have these two cards. I'll take it. And it's like, oh, I should have taken it because I ended up getting a card. I don't even need this one card I took. But greed came in and I just couldn't let you have three cards. And so I gave it to you. And just, I mean, it's a very quick game. 15 minutes tops, really nice little filler that you can just bust out and play anywhere. And you will always find that you are screaming at the top of your lungs at the end because, ah, why didn't I, why didn't I take that one? I should have taken that one. Oh, it's gone now. All right, it's okay. It happens to both players. And um, you tally it up at the end and see who wins. And um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. The whole thing's driven by, when you grab the cards... I don't know if there's an official term for this in board gaming, but I like to call it you patch them together because you can stack the cards on top of each other or slip them underneath. So you're trying to create different patterns out of them, like, like kind of like a quilt almost. And it's great. It's my number six. Can't recommend enough. Circle of Wagons. Okay. And if you have nothing to say, we'll move on. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Yeah, let's move okay. on. <laughs> so, yeah, micro games, man. Circle yep, of Wagons. Yep, yep. All right. Well, then, <laughs> what do you guys got for number six? All right, number six, Blood Rage. Eric Lang, my man, has come in again with another area control game. So this one is about controlling Viking clans, and you're trying to get the most glory before the world just destroys. It just blows up because you got these destruction tokens. You see those orange circles on the top there. So the world is slowly crumbling as you play the game, and to get points, you want to pillage the land, kill other people, but most importantly, kill yourself and then you can go to Valhalla <laughs> and you get lots of points which is a really fun thing there's a whole I think entire you might want to reword that sentence a little bit maybe I'm not quite sure but you know, <laughs> go on go on <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just it doesn't take too long it has just enough area control for me because a big part of it is actually drafting cards so there's three different ages and for every single age you draft a hand of cards and the hand of cards could be anything between quests uh, certain monsters you can summon to the board, or just ways to uh, increase your battle prowess. So the the game never drags on too long. The three ages is just good enough for me. The minis are great, and the player interaction is everywhere. You see on the map that everything is pretty well connected. There's a center part of the board. I know Daniel hasn't played this game, but he would love <laughs> this. The center part is called Igrasso. 
Idrisil. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Some type of Nordic yeah, mythology. It's Idrisil. The, Idrisil. Uh, the there you go. Tree. Yeah, and that's where everyone, everyone's going to have like a giant show down there because that gives you the most points if you pillage it. So you're constantly wanting a, a control of that. And once you're there, you can move to any other space on the map. Yeah, it's a great game. Okay. I, um, yep, yeah, uh, definitely not for me. Although I did play it once. Oh, what's that? Yeah. I was just saying, like, asking Ashton, like, is there, is there seriously only nine locations on the map? Like, holy. Yeah, it gets really crowded because yeah. the map gets smaller and smaller with every age. There's more destruction tokens. It's like a goddamn knife fight in a phone booth. Yeah. As they yeah, say. go ahead. Yeah, all right. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so that was your number six. Yeah. I remember you saying uh, uh, before that this didn't quite work for you, a little too much conflict. No, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop fighting. And I appreciate the fact... I mean, everybody says, oh, Rado, this should be fine for you because it doesn't... I mean, you, sometimes you want to lose a fight because, like you said, you want yeah. your fallen warriors to go to Valhalla, and that's like your whole strategy. And so, uh-huh. I just don't want to sit down for 90 minutes trying to beat the crap out of my wife. I just Yeah, I, I would also I argue that this that. game is not a good two-player game. I've never tried oh, really? it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but just the way the pillaging works and the movement, you really want at least three people so you get that yeah. interaction going. Yeah. All right. Okay, then. Well, uh, a, a very popular choice once again, Blood Rage. Okay, moving on to my number five, Aeon's mm. End. Oh my gosh, this is so good. This is a deck-building cooperative fantasy game where players are... Everybody has their own spell weaver. I forget what they're called. Or mage. Void mage. I forget our term word, but we're, we're basically wizards. And, planeswalker. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're planeswalkers. And we, we have our starting deck of cards, and you know every time you play, you've got a different market full of cards, and you're buying them and making yourself stronger and all of that. Um, and everybody, all players, are working together to take down one big gigantic boss. This entire game is like an epic boss fight from the end of a video game, effectively. Um, you know, And every boss has radically different functions. The one that's actually being filmed right now, the the boss is actually splits his head and his body separately. So you're, it's like you're fighting two bosses at the same time. And that's just one of so many of them that are available. The player characters have really unique special powers as well. Um, and what really makes the game for us, it's actually coming back to the same idea that was in Tiny Epic Defenders. There is a deck that um, represents the turn structure of the round. And it's a deck that has a couple of cards that represents the boss. And depending on the number of players, some cards representing different players. And so, at the beginning of every round, you shuffle that up, and you have no idea if you're going to get to go next, or your teammate's going to get next, or the boss is going to go next. And after the boss is going, they might go again immediately. And so there's a lot of unpredictability, but the game kind of needs it because, unlike most deck builders, the thing that really sets this one apart is that you have an insane amount of control over the deck itself. Because um, once your draw pile is empty and you've played all your cards and any other deck builder on the market, almost anyone, you then have to shuffle it back up, put it back together, and then just hope that the cards you want to combo together come out together. I mean, that's I call deck builders kind of like broken engine builders because you're just making a really crappy, crappy, unreliable engine that sometimes will do what you want, but most of the time it'll do what it wants. That is not the case with Aeon's End because you get to choose the order you discard the cards in. And after um, you, you, instead of reshuffling the deck to create a new deck, you just take your discard pile, flip it over, and it becomes your draw pile. So the more you go through it, the more you tighten it. The more you get the correct cards together with other cards. So the second time you go through the deck, it's more powerful. And the third time you go through the deck, it's more powerful. Not just because you're buying better cards, but because you feel like you are becoming a more adept warrior. And that's just a really great... Um, you know, 
thematic feel that comes out of just simple mechanisms that I really, really appreciate. Um, the amount of variety that's in this game, um, you know, the amount of content. It's had so many expansions. It's ha- it's They're about to ship their second standalone legacy version of the game. Um, it's, it's one of... Is it the best co-op? I would say it's probably the best fantasy cooperative card game, which is a weird thing to say, but there's a ridiculously large number of fantasy cooperative card games on the market. I, a, a few years ago, I did a top 10 of just that, and Aeon's End trumps everything. So w- you wouldn't classify Gloomhaven as a card game then? No. Um, okay. but, I mean, uh, you, you, um, you know, nor would I classify Wingspan uh, as an aside as a card game because... If, um, you know, it, the board makes a difference. If the board makes a difference, it's not a card game. I mean, there are plenty of card games out there that have boards, but, you know, they're just to hold the cards. You know, like Lost Cities is a card game because, yeah, you can, you've can you got a board, but you don't need that board. Um, if the board makes a difference, it's a board game with cards. And so, yeah, this is, this is a pure card game. It's a pure deck builder, and it's one of the best ones ever because it completely flips the script. It breaks all the rules of deck building as defined by Dominion and Donald X Vaccarino. And it's better for it. And I, I love it, and Jen loves it too. My number five, Aeon's End. I actually got to play this in college for my RA, who I introduced to deck building. He oh, really? uh, got really into Dominion. And then a couple years down the line, we meet up. He says, hey, look, I found this game. And we played it. It was really enjoyable. I, I really like what's going on here. And the ramping up with the spells, I don't remember the exact terminology, but you spend energy for some spells, and that's really satisfying. I didn't even talk about that. Yes, there's this whole other thing that you get. I mean, we're wizards. We get all these spells. You can't just cast them. You have to... Each player is managing usually four different... breaches because mm. we are basically there, there, there's this breach between the the alien creepy world that's breaking into ours and we can actually kind of harness the power of these breaches between worlds to power our spells and so you have these breaches in front of you you have to pull energy out of them to use it and you can make them stronger so it's cheaper to cast spells often the breaches have their own special powers that's like a whole other thing that i forgot that adds even more complexity to it and makes it even deeper oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> oh, it's so good. Thank you, Kickstarter, for making Aeon's End possible. It would be so sad if this had never happened, because I love it so. Yeah, I just remember uh, we were playing three-player, and two of us were really helping one of our friends like with the, the breach energy or whatever. Yeah. And he was just destroying like the monster. It was really satisfying. It's been so long, but I, I would happily play this again. I probably should buy it, actually. I think it'd be a nice change of pace from Dominion. You should. And I'm embarrassed that you're doing a better job of describing all the important key features of this game than I am, even though you've only played it once years ago, and I've played it dozens of times. But you're right, that's another thing. The cooperation in this game is through the roof. So much of the card design is about players helping each other and really being involved in each other's turns. It's amazing. It's the best. It's Although, amazingly, it's only my number five, Aeon's End. Okay, what do you guys got for five? Oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Um, I think we are getting, um, some Skype. We're getting some Skype pauses. Hold on, folks. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, folks, I think Skype is under control. Uh, Ashton, you were saying? Yeah, number five, the Godfather, Corleone's Empire. 
So I bought this ad on a whim because I watched the Godfather movie recently, and this this actually really surprised me. It's an Eric Lane game, and it went under oh, the radar. Yes. So what happened, right? Mm -hmm. So the good part about the game is that it does air control pretty well. You're vying for control over New York by playing one of the five mafia houses of New York, and you can go to Wall Street to get jobs, and jobs include car bombs and drive buys and backroom deals yes so it has a lot it has a lot of that uh uh area control element but it's it's uh mostly worker placement so you're placing your figures on the board to shake down businesses or go to the back of the businesses to do special deals for more cd things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh it just combines a lot of great mechanics like there's auctions you see like all these suitcases those are metal suitcases that you're putting your money into and then in between phases, you can bid for control of the mayor or the police chief or the union boss. And then you can use those as actual figures later in the game to influence the board. It, it does that mafia thing pretty well. And uh, I would say it probably went under the radar because of some weird behind-the-scenes Kickstarter yeah. thing. You can tell that all the art is the same on the jobs, which is kind of strange. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, when you open up the box, it's like half empty. It's really weird. <laughs> because yeah. they had plans that yeah, maybe I mean, didn't come to like fruition. Yeah, it has like an answer, but it's half empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, every time I play this, I've had, a, I've had a good time. At five, I think maybe it's a little long. At three, it has never done me wrong. Even at two, it's not half bad, so maybe you want to check it out with Jen. But I know, I, there is no way <laughs> okay, I am playing this game with Jen <laughs> at all. <laughs> that is a, I will strike that from the record. Um, here's my question for you. I, I assume this is yours entry, Ash, and so was Blood Rage. Blood yes. Rage, of course, everybody loves it. Why do you put Godfather over Blood Rage as, you know, preeminent, premier, Eric Lang, area control games? I like the theme a lot more okay. because I have a special connection to the movie, but there is something about putting a car bomb and just blowing up figures, <laughs> okay. letting them float on the Hunstead River. It's very entertaining to me. It features the, the holy trinity of crime in New York. There's guns, there's booze, and there's blood money. So, yeah. I think Dan <laughs> yeah. has something to add. The way you described this to me was like, okay, because I really like Sons of Anarchy. I haven't played this yet before. And you're like, you're going to love this game. Because you just told me this is Sons of Anarchy on a bigger scale. So, ah. Is that true? I think so. Uh, the decision space is actually a bit bigger than Sons of Anarchy. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just bigger Sons of Anarchy, which is like, oh, I could just do insane nonsense on a bigger scale? Dude, sign me up. Like, Dan Daniel, imagine bribing the mayor, and you can move the mayor to immediately get control of Wall Street. How <laughs> satisfying is that? There you go. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Very underrated. Yeah, yeah. I like this game a well, lot. Well, I'm glad you're giving me a shout-out. I mean, I, I remember it's... When this game first came out, like a whole bunch of YouTubers got together to do like a five, you know, Rodney Smith and, and um, you know, drive through you. I mean, and everybody's like, everybody get this game more love. It's the greatest thing ever. And yet here we are a few years later and you're pointing out, you should really pay attention to this because it's kind of Eric Lang's forgotten area control masterpiece kind of a thing you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. Dude, I remember, I love how like Rodney, they, was he commenting or was it like a tweet? I don't remember. He like was on a reply on one of our like social media things mm. and he was just like did we just become best friends because you just said you like this game like oh my god <laughs> okay yeah, he really likes this game and he never says he likes anything so there you go all right well then a very good number five that once again i will never oh there's another thing this again this is ashton so you like this and when i asked why because it's real world and um and you were it was this war of mine was also yours right correct yeah yes. so clearly you like the real world creeping into your gameplay experiences 
Yeah, I would say so. But I mean, real world, it could be a wide variety of yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. So this one has that Godfather mobster boss. I mean, are thing, you a big fan of the movies? Feel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, like, okay, yeah, I want yeah. to watch the first so and I really like them. Okay. Yeah. Any sort of gangster movie or heist movie, I'm I'm oh, okay. all I'm all down for. All right. Yeah. And then yeah, this war of mine, you know, it's it's a lot more serious. Yeah. And as I said before, I get that feeling of being immersed in a way historical books don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're living it in a way that Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That who knew? Only board games could do. Okay, excellent choice. I'm sure Eric Lang is happy somewhere that somebody's um, you know, giving shout outs. To, I'm sure it's one of his favorites as well. But we're moving on now to uh, my number four, The Networks, which is a, another puzzly um, uh, Euro simulation. This one, players are running their own, um, what do you call it, uh, TV networks. And uh, it's all about trying to get the right combination, because this is a basically a card drafting game. And this is very much a card game. I, I know it has boards, but this is a case where... You know what? The boards don't even have to be here. They have almost no function whatsoever. This is a game about getting cards and then matching them together. The right TV show with the right star, with the right advertisers, in the right time slot, on the right night to get the maximum viewers uh, so that you can unlock special powers and uh, just make tons and tons of money. Uh, it's It's got a really great sense of humor. Almost every single card is making references and callbacks to popular TV shows. And, you know, that's really entertaining if you like it. But you can completely ignore all of that because the gameplay itself is what makes it so special. Again, I've, I've said it a million times. What really makes me appreciate it is just how tension-filled it is. I mean, you've, you've got this perfect, um, you know, slot for this particular actor who's a washed-up Clint Eastwood type. And he would be great in this revisionist <laughs> Western you're doing. And please, I gotta get... Th- oh, you took that one. Okay. 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 I guess I'll put the 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 Mork from Orc comedy star in because that's the only star I can get, and you can just get these really interesting combinations of stuff. And it goes without. I mean, it never. There's never a time when we don't say, "Well, I'd watch that show," because it, you just end up creating some ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Uh, but you also create just like you know some shows that. Um, well, I mean, it's the the theme is great. The the comedy is great, but it's really more than anything else. Just the, the very, very tension-filled card draft, um, trying to get the right things at the right time, unlocking your executive special powers that will just change everything. And, uh, yeah, I love it a lot. Uh, my number four, the networks. I mean, even despite, like, with all the uh, really cool mechanical uh, things that happen in this game, just imagining, I'm imagining just, like, after you play it, right, you just get to look at, like, your board afterwards and you're like, Wow, some of these shows are god awful. I would watch that one. Yes, that, yeah, that is a big part of it too. I mean, uh, you know, the, the theme really—it's—it's it's really wonderfully thematic. Um, if you were to imagine what's it like to be a TV executive, which is probably not something anybody ever thinks about. This is giving me a suburbia vibe, which is a city, oh, yeah. which is a city, which is a city building game we grew up playing, and it's like it doesn't really matter if you win or lose. Just building yeah. this really funny, just like this possible, like this could be real. Mm-hmm. It's just like so funny. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, the rest of these are so stupid. I remember like I would win so often by just, just like doing these rush like tempo strats. Like, all right, my city is just a massive ghetto. I just have way too much of a population here. There's not enough in the economy, but you know, I have the most population, so I win yep. the game. Screw yep. you. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's what we mentioned earlier with uh, Oath. It's it's not a storytelling game, but it still tells stories. They're just based on our decisions as opposed to something the designer wrote down ahead of time. And I would say this game does that too. It's really interesting. The longer you run the show in the same time slot, they start losing popularity. And sooner or later, you have to make the heartbreaking <laughs> choice of canceling it. 
and um, you know, and, and you know, send everybody out to pasture. It's 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 really good. A lot of fun. Cannot recommend it highly enough. And it's actually got a lot of really good expansion content too. And it just got a new game. Just came out called Rival Networks, which basically takes the whole game because it's it's a bigger, longer game. You know, a ninety minutes, two hour game, depending on number of players. But the Rival Networks takes the whole thing and shrinks it down into a head to head duel that you can get done in twenty minutes. And uh, with still with the same great humor and you know thematic stuff coming through. I love it, and I probably won't love your number three if history's anything to go by, but let's take a look. Um, or your number four. four. Yes. Uh, yeah. This one, you have throw, to explain throw yourself. Throw, throw, burrito. All right, so here's the game. Okay, spoons plus dodgeball. It's actually genius. I know it sounds really stupid, but oh my God, this game is so fun to play. You have to try it. Like, just, okay. Spoons already, I love the chaotic fun of it, right? Dodgeball, I also like just you know, for the audience. Dodgeball. Who, for the, for the audience who doesn't know, describe Spoons. Okay, so Spoons, okay, you take your uh, standard deck of playing cards, your 52 mm-hmm. cards, right? And everyone has, like, a small hand, but the hand can never go above a certain size, and you're constantly discarding cards to the left, and you're drawing cards from the deck if you're the first player in line. But if you're passing to the left, someone else is drawing from your discard right. pile, right? So it goes in a big circle, and you're trying to complete a set of four. And once you have that, you can just grab a spoon from the middle of the mm-hmm. table. And then once someone does grab that spoon, everyone else at the table has free range to just grab a spoon in the middle. And the last person to grab the spoon gets eliminated. Right. And throw for burrito, instead of grabbing spoons, you're now grabbing those plush burritos <laughs> and you have to throw them at each other. <laughs> it's genius. It's brilliant. No game knows what this game does. And what this game does is so fun. Like, look at it. We're playing in a park. This is just nonsense. Like, people are looking at it like, what is going on over there? But we're having a blast. It's just... I don't even care. Like, okay, the park's also a great spot because, you know, you get to run around, you get to dive, there's grass. Like, stuff's getting dirty. doesn't really matter. The game's only, like, 20 bucks. You just keep buying it if it gets, like, messed up. Like, oh, my God. The game just works so well for what it is. Like, it sounds so dumb. I know, but you just have to try it. Like, spoons plus dodgeball where you grab the dodgeballs, burritos, off the middle of the table is just genius. So, like, oh, my God, that works so well. And it well. comes with two burritos, right? So it's just the first, the first two people to grab those burritos, they just go off. That's right, and uh, and then they start. Throw, I mean, what do you score extra points? Do you? I mean, why are you throwing the burritos? Okay. To what purpose? To what end? <laughs> all right, so let's explain the rules a little more. And so, just like in spoons, all right, you can you try to match sets, and when you complete a set, you just put it okay. in front of you, and you know, score points mm-hmm. that way. So you just draw more cards in. But there are also sets of burrito cards, and when you match a set of burrito cards, you'd loudly get up and shout whatever that set was. You'd be like burrito war or burrito duel or burrito brawl, whatever. All right, so. All those different permutations of burrito combinations cause different types of burrito fights to happen. So burrito brawl, when you play, you go like, burrito brawl. And then the people to your left and right are the ones that are forced to partake in the battle. So they have to just go and grab burrito and just throw it at each other. Like, just the left and right people, okay? And whoever gets hit with the burrito, they lose a point. Okay. So that's how that works. Like, no one ever gets eliminated. So that's another thing I like with a game over spoons. So no one's, like, sitting out watching. Right, right, right. You just lose points. You feel bad. And you're like, hey, I hate you. You gave me these burrito bruises that make me lose points. I'm going to get you back later on, right? So you, it, it, like, has these dumb, like, almost, like, politics that happen in the middle of the game, funny enough. So, okay, next one, burrito duel. All right, you have, like, burrito duel. And you pick two people. And then they have to, like, stand back to back, like, you know, yeah, old yeah, Western yeah. cowboy style. And someone counts them off. And they turn around and throw the bruises at each other. And the last stage is burrito war. Which is just chaos. Like it's just you shout that, everyone's tables involved. Whoever can grab a person just throw it in our guy. Like okay. you know, that just stops the war. So all right, and this is this awesome. is your guys's number four. Yeah, this is like this game has destroyed like pretty much every party game out there. Like if we can play Throw the Burrito over any other light game, this is what we're playing. Like this, this part of the <laughs> video begs the question: What about playing indoors though, and knocking over your well, TV while everybody's running around trying to dodge right. burritos? 
Yeah, because like if you have like a really messy room, probably would not recommend oh. this. But if you just have like a pretty like clean dinner table and there's like nothing really around, like there's there's no like random like I don't know, just like food that can get knocked off the counter or whatever. Like those beers are super tough. You can throw by windows and TVs like no problem. All right. Okay. Yeah. I will say that you don't want to be playing this game if you have picky neighbors at night because it does get very loud. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of jumping. If you like have someone that lives under you, if you live in an apartment, there's going to be a lot of like pounding on the ground and they might get annoyed. So be careful about that. All right. Yeah, it gets really bad when someone yells a burrito war and then like two people grab burrito and everyone else like don't have burritos. So they just dive to the ground. You know, it's just like that's that's very loud. Oh, because everybody's in the burrito. Even if they don't have ammo, they're still. Wow. Okay. Yeah, for Brito War specifically. Brito War is like everyone that, except for the guy who played the Brito War. Of course. So like the whole table has to suddenly just partake in this stupid war that just happens out of nowhere. So. <laughs> All right. I, 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 you, you have sold the idea. I get it. Um, and I think everybody wants to know when are we going to get these bangs back? Uh, yeah, I guess any a few more months before it goes right. out. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a killer look for you, I have to say. Okay. Moving along to my number three. Project Elite, which is absolutely amazing. Another cooperative game. How many cooperative games have I had now today? Quite a few, I think. Um, but this one is a real-time recreation of James Cameron's Aliens, basically. Everybody takes on the role of a, of a badass space marine type with special powers. Over the course of the game, you get all kinds of weapons and armor and, and grenades and all kinds of stuff. But the way the game works is you start a timer. I think it's a one-minute timer, maybe a two-minute timer. I'd have to go back and look. And during that time, you just start rolling your hand of dice as fast as you can. And you you are trying to roll the faces you need, uh, you know, feet to be able to move around or, you know, gu guns and prep things to be able to fire your weapons and whatnot. And um, the faster you can roll so you can get the stuff, you can, you can lay waste to all the space aliens that are all over the place, completely covering the board, and, uh, you know, and try to stay ahead because there's just an endless wave of them that are coming. The problem is, while you're rolling your dice as fast as you can, trying to get the faces you need, if you roll a skull, that means you have to stop, you can't do anything, and now you have to pick some alien somewhere on the board and move them one step closer to their ultimate goal, which means you could lose. There's a bunch of arrows all over the board, so it makes it very easy in this real-time thing. Die! Okay, I'll move this one, and I'll move this one, and this one. And... Every single step they take, it's your choice that it's happening. And what ultimately uh, evolves almost every time you play is, right, okay, it's my job. I I'm, I'm taking care of the east flank. You're taking care of the west flank. You've got a couple bosses incoming. I've got this horde. And, okay, ah, I'm rolling skulls. All right, I don't want to move any of mine because they're right where I want them. Okay, I'll move some of yours. And you're like, why, why are you doing that? I they're out of range now. No, I've got to travel halfway across the board to get to them. But, uh, you know, so even though you're under an incredible amount of pressure um, under the clock, you really have to pay attention to what your opponent needs. Because there's other times, too, where I've rolled a perfect dice. I can do a super boomstick shot that'll take out three or four guys. They're all out of range. And if I re-roll my dice now so I can move, I'm going to lose this. So then I... Okay, Roll some skulls! Roll skulls! And, you know, specifically so that you will, uh, Ashton, will move the guys to me. So there's really interesting um, ways to, like, work together to just kind of evolve naturally in this really frantic real-time melee. But the important thing is, that only goes on for a minute. Maybe it was two minutes. I don't really remember. Um, the, uh, the, the clock on screen is covered up right now. After that's over, then all the surviving aliens, they all get to do special powers one at a time in a turn-based fashion. Um, you know, hopefully you will have gotten away from the shooter so they don't shoot you back and stuff like that then some more spawn and then players sit there 
uh, you after we go through a few stages of like kind of bookkeeping upkeep, where we plan out right when the timer starts. I'm going to head over here. You're going to head over there. Uh, who's going to take care of that boss? You know, we can let that boss go because if we use this. It's going to freeze him in place. I just got to get a little bit closer. And everybody comes up with their plan. We turn the timer on. We start rolling the dice, and then it all goes to. Uh, uh, I'm a family-friendly show, so I'll just say it all goes <laughs> wrong. And um, the dice say, nope, this is what you're doing. And you're having to change those plans on the fly. And it's it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it got printed, the first time it was on Kickstarter was many years ago from Artipia Games. It recently got a really deluxe 2.0 version from A Cool Mini or Not, which was also on Kickstarter. And I cannot recommend it enough. Um, it's it's fantastic. Project Elite. So I was going to ask, Richard, you're yes. like a Care Bear guy, right? Care yes. Bear Games. How's this game going with Jen? This is this is a violent shoot 'em up. This is on? a ve- that's actually a really good point because actually Jen is less care bear than me. She's a bit more cutthroat. Um, you know, everybody assumes, <laughs> oh, um, you know, I'm just being nice to my wife. I'm the pussycat. She can be a little cold blooded. She's uh she's not uh, afraid to cut you off at the knees in an area control game if that's what it takes. Um, but. What she does have a problem with is subject matter. I mean, anything that's violence, she very rarely, can, she basically cannot enjoy a game where you put something that approximates a real-world gun in her hands because she just finds it so distasteful. This game is so good that she will put her distaste aside. And, I mean, you know, we've talked about it, and she likes to pretend, well, maybe they're just orcs and I'm Legolas instead of, <laughs> and instead of them being aliens and I'm Ripley. Uh, you know, she she would much more love it if it were a high fantasy setting. I I just love it. Period. And I mean, I mean, I made video games for almost two decades, so of course I'm gonna like this. This game is about as close as you can get in modern board games to really capturing the feeling of a high energy, high octane, you know, fast in your face shooter because of that time element. Because you're having to make these really tough decisions. Because Sometimes your gum jams because you just can't quite roll what you need, and they still keep coming. Uh, I, I I will recommend it till I'm blue in the face. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Very um, you know easy to teach because the core rules are simple and they need to be because it's real time. You don't have a lot of time to make really in depth decisions. You have to have a simple system you're playing, and then once the timer stops, okay, everybody, calm down. Okay, anybody need a minute? Uh, yo, okay, and now let's see what the bad guys do. And here they start coming, and oh my gosh, ah, how did we let this happen? And now these three things have just spawned, and oh, you know, it's, it's great. I love it to pieces. My number three, Project Elite. Okay, you ready yeah, for your guys' one, number this, three? This, oh, guy's yeah. at the top, this one's at the top of my list for sure, because I remember seeing it many years ago, mm-hmm. and I just always seem to miss the Kickstarter printing for some reason, and it just looks... It just looks so fun. I mean, throw throw burrito, right? We like our real time games. There you go. Yes, so yes, this yes. Looks yes. right up the alley. Yeah. Yep. Imagine Clearly, throw throw burrito, but you're throwing burritos at aliens. I was just going to say the only thing this game is missing <laughs> clearly is a burrito to throw. Perhaps in an expansion they will add the the burritoometer three thousand. One can only. <laughs> okay. Cool, right. cool, cool. So I think we're on then to your guys's number three. Tell us all about it. Gloomhaven. Do I even need to say anything about the game? I feel like everyone knows what Gloomhaven is, but Gloomhaven is a dungeon-crawling game made by Isaac Childress where you take on the role of a mercenary and you're going down to the world of Gloomhaven to just do dungeon-crawling stuff. Very fun. Combat's amazing. This game, like, it's a classic. Like, don't need to say more like, oh my god, look at those minions. Look at all the beautiful footage we got. This game is so fun to just make your character, just get into, like, funny scenarios, like, just see, like, how they develop, like, what builds you want to go through, right? There's tons of items you can get to deck a guy out. You can spend, like, money to even enhance your card, so you might say, like, I don't know, like, move three on it, but you can, like, oh, no, it's a move four now. Like, there's so much variety and depth to the gameplay of Gloomhaven that you can honestly play this game, like, 
endlessly. And on top of that, custom content, because Isaac's like, hey, I'm going to put files for all the creation stuff online. You guys do whatever you want with it. Like, this game is just great. Like, it's just like a massive sandbox to just, just do amazing combat over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, this is a game I don't think that could exist without Kickstarter. Because oh, yeah. any publisher would say, yeah, we're not going to put five expansions worth of content in one box and sell it. That's just not the way we do business. It, it's absolutely amazing. Now, here's my question for you. I mean, you're right. Everybody knows Gloomhaven. I've talked about it a million. I've streamed it live with Jen many, many times. Um, I'm curious why... I mean, you, you put Tainted Grail on the list. I think it was Dan who did. So mm-hmm. what's Gloomhaven got over Tainted Grail? Because you really love that story in Tainted Grail. Oh, yeah. So Gloomhaven... Uh, this is uh, definitely a huge deal above Tain and Grail is uh, not really dysfunctional. Ooh, I just said that. Yeah, Tain and Grail, Ooh. Uh, the actual gameplay of it can be a little whack. Okay. Gloomhaven Gloom is just like you're playing the game. Like, this is stellar. The gameplay is excellent here. Super, like, thoughtful. Like, I feel like every time I'm going through combat, like, there's so many things to keep track of, right? The monsters, like, they're doing their own thing. They have their own, like, almost personalities because they have their own attack decks. Like, you're constantly just, it feels like you're just adapting to things all the time in Gloomhaven. And on top of that, the resource management aspect of it, because you can actually run out of cards and exhaust instead of just you know losing your health. Like, that's really cool. I haven't seen it on like any other game. It's just like Gloomhaven has so many working parts that I can just get real crunchy with and think yeah. about. So I I think like the perfect game to me would be like if something had like I don't know, like Tainted Grove's level of story and then Gloomhaven's like combat, that'd be like, oh my god, that game I'll just never stop playing. Like well, maybe that would be a story, I will say, like it's like Basically, to me at least, like it's it's like it's like good slash okay. It's not anything like amazing. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's why I'm saying like okay, because Tainted Grail, I, I think it wins in the story department for sure. But that's because the game's basically the story. Like Tainted Grail, I would describe it as like the game is actually the exploration journal, and the game around is just fluff to have you like just go to the exploration journal. Ah. Whereas Gloomhaven, there's like a scenario booklet, and there's like you know introduction text, scenario text, and you know like stuff that is explaining kind of what's going on. But it's kind of more of an excuse for you to go in Dungeon Delve and do like amazing combat. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. Gloomhaven is amazing, um, and is a very, very good choice. Was this you guys said at the beginning? There was one that you know you both agreed had to be on. Was that this one? Throw throw burrito. That was it. It was throw throw burrito. Oh. Yeah, Ashland doesn't really like Gloomhaven that much, unfortunately. All right, all right. <laughs> There's also the caveat. We've only played it. At, I've only played it with four people, and okay. people have been telling me that it shines at two. So really? maybe I have to give it another go. Yeah. Yeah, it's just funny because the game is pretty well balanced at all player counts. It's like it's pretty surprising, but yeah, at four, I think there's a little too much downtime for your taste, right? Yeah, I'm also not like a big co-op guy in general, so the mm. story in Tainted Grail is what's gripping me in mm-hmm. for the co-op. And here, well, the story is all right, but it's not gripping me in that like magical way. So yeah. it's, this game's okay for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. but we'll see what happens at two P with Frosthaven, especially because that's the hype. Yeah, yeah, and you got to assume Frosthaven looks gonna... like the story is going to go like. <sighs> yeah, that, and and that's going to build on all the strengths of the original. But I like that Ash said, yeah, it's okay. It's the number one rated game in the world. It's all right. It's fine. And I honestly Quote think it's Ash. a really good spot to be in for a board game because like, it really is the poster child of just Kickstarter games, you know? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, well, it, it has changed Kickstarter. <laughs> After this uh, came out, I think everybody's tra- Well, where's our Gloomhaven, says all the publishers. Where's our ridiculously huge box overflowing with right? stuff that comes with 200 hours of gameplay um, before you get any expansions? Yeah. But nobody touches it. And this whole video is going to be a whirlwind tour of Dan hairstyles, I have to say. Um, you, 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 <laughs> you, you've gone through many looks on this show, it would appear. Uh, yeah, basically it's just because I'm really lazy and I get haircuts every like four to six months, I feel like. So it's like, it just goes, gets long for a bit and it goes back to being short and it gets long again and goes back to being short. 
All right. Very cyclical. Right. Yes, yes. Like the seasons. Okay, cool. An excellent, excellent number three. My number two is Manhattan Project Energy Empire, which is a really, really wonderful. It's probably my second highest rated worker placement game. Uh, it's only beaten by Agricola, which is not a Kickstarter game. And so it's about players trying to uh, basically meet all the energy needs of their nation. And uh, you focus on, you can focus on green energy or dirty energy. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. But what really makes this game special, what makes it stand out from just regular worker placement is that um, there are three sections of the board. There's, I always forget what they're called. One is government, one is industry, and one is something else, like commerce or something. And if you put your worker in one of those regions, not only do you do whatever that worker placement action is, but you get to activate every building of that type that you have previously built. So this is a very, very satisfying engine building game because the whole point is you're trying to get resources to build all these buildings that do all kinds of different powers, you know, resource generation and conversion and, and, and all kinds of things. And so if you get like a whole bunch of industry cards in front of you uh, and you, you, you purposely chose them so that every time you do an industry worker placement action, you get to activate all of them. And it's a little engine that you run in. This one leads to this, to this, to this, to this. And it's just so satisfying. But the problem is there are only three worker placement spots in each of the different regions. And the more players go there, the more expensive it gets to continue to go there. So I want to run my engine over and over again, but you, uh, Ashton, have you know bogarted it, and now I'm going to have to burn through half my energy to be able to run my engine once. So there's a lot of really interesting push and pull between the worker placement and the engine building. Um, and then on top of that, it tells it also tells really interesting stories because you play through six um, rounds and each round uh, at the beginning of the round you reveal a thing that you're going to be judged on based on you know how much uh, you know pollution you have or you know how good are you with the UN and things and so at the end of the game it's another one where you kind of sit back and say oh this is the story of our world from you know like the 1920s to the 2020s and did we ruin it or did we actually show there was a better way that humanity could actually meet their energy needs. So I love the theme. I love the gameplay. I think it's like my number. It's like my number thirteen highest ranked game of all time. Um, and I, I cannot. If you like worker placement, you absolutely must give it a go. Manhattan Project, Energy Empire. I don't know why. I just can't stop. Like, okay, the dice in the game look a lot like the dice you have in Descent. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh my gosh, you're right with the lightning bolts. Of course they do. Um, I would not have made that connection. They are very different, though. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Moving on to... Uh, let's see. Oh, that's it. We're on to your number one. Is this it? Ready for the big time? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, we still have the number two. Yeah, we got our number oh, two. Right, 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 right. Yes, I went first. Okay, yeah. So, you're number two. <laughs> you're number two. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Number two. Brass Birmingham. So, this one I bought at a whim. is like, oh, number number three ranked game of all time. BGG, let's check it out. Once upon a time. Blew, yeah. me, blew me away. Blew okay. me away. Yeah, this... I didn't think I was like a big Euro guy and I started to feel a little bit under that umbrella of, okay, well, Euros, they feel a little similar. Mm -hmm. This one felt different in, in how it connected it feels. Yeah. Okay. So, so to back up a bit, this game is about being a British entrepreneur in Victorian England. Yeah. And you are building uh, canals, and then you're building railroads later on in the game, all while constructing tiles on those little boxes on the board. And you see that you have those like names. There's like Colebrookdale, uh, Dudley. Yeah, so you have cards in your hand that correspond to those places. So every time you want to do something, you play the card for that space. Right. So I really like how 
the progression just ramps up because you're taking loans, you're investing on space in the board. Every time you take one of these buildings out of your player board, you can unlock something. And so you have a tech tree going on with your board. There's a lot of hand management. And what is really good about the interconnected nature is that it's so connected that you can use other people's resources on the board. Right. So for example, if you want coal to build your railroad, well, if you're connected to someone else's coal station, you can just take their coal. And if you take enough of their coal, actually, it flips over, which helps them. So there's this degree of you can be playing a very um, mutual, mutually beneficial game with your friends. But on the other hand, you can play this game very cutthroat, too, because everything is linked through these canals and railroads. So there's a lot of different ways to approach this game. But, yeah, I just I just love how it scales. It's so um, it fits that timeline perfect for me. It's like two hours, two and a half hours very brain burning and during the whole time i tell myself i'm an economics major i can do this i'm <laughs> uh-huh. good at this game economics economics are you an econ Optimize. major I, I used to be yeah i was okay yeah, i graduated as econ major yeah <laughs> before yeah. your brain was burned out by board games but this one brings it all back for you i would say this game and other heavy euros like food chain magnate are harder than a lot of the tests i took in college so that really tells you about how <laughs> gripping these games are and how complicated they can be yeah especially once you get to those late game scenarios where everything is connected through railroads You're like oh my god i need like 10 more pounds because you know it's british in this game yeah it, I, I wish i could say more i've only played it twice but it has been a stellar experience every single time yeah and it will continue i mean because you're right the the thing that really is special about this above all else is the interconnectivity of players like you said, I mean, um, you know, I will... Oh, is that, you're building over in Wolverhampton? Okay, I'm just going to be next door in Dudley. I'll make a coal mine for you. And I want you to take my coal because I have mm-hmm. no use for this freaking coal. I'm building it for you. And that replicates... That's the way the real world works. Everything is not zero-sum. People are always looking for opportunities that, you know, bring wealth all around. And I do really think... Uh, you know, that's a very, very sharp... But at the same time, you're really often hamstrung by the cards. I want to build in Dudley. My cards will not let me build in Dudley. What am I going to do instead? Now, I'm curious. You played Birmingham, and it sounds like you have not played Lancashire, which is the original brass. Because Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about the original brass is it's much more harsh. It's really more restrictive. Birmingham, I forget how it works, but there's a way you can have your wild cards. So, oh, I can discard cards to build where I need to. Not in Lancashire. In Lancashire, you just take what you get and you say thank you because um, you know the game really makes you work so much harder. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really curious as an econ major what, how you'd feel the two compare, but we'll never know. Hmm. Yeah, uh, not play, I heard this is also shorter than Lancashire, which is also more uh, appealing to me. Oh, is that the case? I guess that could be true. It's interesting. I mean, this game, it just generally... It, it, you know, like a beer, which is a, a new feature that introduced in this game. It doesn't exist in Lancashire. And, and so there are, there, it, you have to work harder to find those, you know, those connections to other players. Whereas this game, it, you know, you're, you're, the connections overflow it. It's, it's great. I, I agree. One of the best, you know, probably most people would agree Martin Wallace is best design ever. And, of course, he's one of the most revered board game designers in the world. Uh, yeah. Is this your thing, Dan? Or do you just stare at it blankly? I'm kind of staring at it blankly, but did you say beer? There's beer in it? I hear that correctly. There is yes. beer. It's a very important resource. Okay, well, now I care about this game a lot more. <laughs> so you see, if you see those wooden things on the board, those are beer barrels, and you can use them to supply your, your guys. Like, thematically, they need to be paid in beer, <laughs> and beer is cleaner than water. This game has a historical element really yep. well. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the tiles are just so satisfying to flip over, which is... I oh, mean, that's yeah. yeah. The component-wise, it's very satisfying because you're always like flipping over tiles. You're putting down tokens. You're connecting things. 
Yeah. You're building. You're really, really building, building. something that, yeah. you know, that it feels real. And, you know, like your, your choices really have consequence. Yeah, I agree. Good call. An excellent number two. And completely inconsistent with the rest of this list. But I'm happy to see it. <laughs> Although we did have every day. I, mean, I really like it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Now we are to my number one. And um, longtime fans of my show are not going to be surprised. It looks like it's our only overlap because, of course, it's Gloomhaven. I don't know. Woo! Says somebody far <laughs> off in the distance. Woo! Um, Woo! It is so good for all the reasons Dan talked about. I mean, and I guess it's there's a certain level of truth to the fact that, yeah, the, the storytelling is fine. It tells a nice enough story. But really, the story is just so that we have another reason to go into another dungeon and fight a bunch of monsters in what is the most puzzly and, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, no, there's no other word. Puzzly uh, combat system ever because... Our characters are represented ultimately by a hand of cards. And you, you go in, I've got nine cards for this character. Each card has two different actions on it. And when I des- when we're deciding, what are we going to do this round? Are we going to rush in and fight? Are we going to try and you know hold the line and let them come to us? Whatever. Um, you have to pick two cards from your hand. One to do the top effect, one to do the bottom effect. But the important thing is, you can't tell players what you're going to play. Nor can you tell players how fast you're going to go. Um, there's imperfect communication in this game. Which I'm curious, Dan, if, if that... Um, enhances the game for you or not because it's what really makes the game yeah oh yeah i love like those dumb mishaps that happen here for people it's like i'm gonna go kind of fast i'm not like super fast i'm like kind of fast i'm like okay i guess i'm gonna go what i think is faster than you and then like sometimes plans work sometimes just mess up horribly and it's it's beautiful just seeing the chaos happen on front of you on top of that monsters might do stuff you didn't expect them to do at all yeah which is Throws even a bigger wrench and everything. Like, this game feels so alive when you're playing that. I cannot yes. stress enough just how good the combat is in this game. Yes. It's how, like, infinitely replayable it is. It's, like, un- it's insanely good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting yeah. I mean, how alive it is. Because this game is almost 100%, um, you know, what's the opposite of RNG? Uh, prescribed? Um, procedural? I mean, you know, I know exactly how much damage I'm going to do. I mean, you know, there's no rolling dice and seeing how things go. The unpredictability, that random spark, doesn't come from just rolling dice and, oh, I hope I get a six. Oh, I got a four. Great. You know, which is, eh, roll to resolve has never been my favorite. The unpredictability here comes from my teammates. We're all working together. And you said you were going really fast, but what, a 30? A 30 isn't fast. And you say, <laughs> yeah, you're a ninja. A 30 isn't fast for you. I'm a cleric. It's the fastest card I've got. Um, you know, and, and those kinds of unpredictable moments are like, oh, well, all right, let's figure this out. I thought I had this puzzle solved. The puzzle just got harder. But then, because, oh, I, I picked these two cards. I was going to do the top of this and the bottom of this. I could switch. I could do the top of the other and the bottom of this. And because now that you're going later than me, I can get in a position and we can still make this work. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. It's, it makes the game feel more alive. It makes it feel more unpredictable in a real way as opposed to a gamey way. And maybe that's what I love about more. And there are so many things I love about it. I love the storytelling. I love the way the characters level up. I, I love the monster control system. Um, I love the random generator. Even after you've given 200 hours of this and you finish the story, it's got a random dungeon generator and you can keep playing. It, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. My number one, it's actually my number three ranked game of all time, and it's my number one on this list, Gloomhaven. And Dan's okay because he almost got it right, putting it as number three. So, <laughs> what could possibly beat this? Let me know. I want to add that I oh, wait, really. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. <laughs> I gave you the perfect lead in. 
here. Yeah, I really like how the um, the initiative makes you pay attention to your friends, and you yes. have like little inside jokes there, and you say that's slow for me. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, fast exactly. For me. So mm. that really gives you a feel like the archetypes of, of like what they're playing. Yeah. And it really gives you like uh, you have to pay attention. I don't get that from a lot of co-ops, which has consistently kept me engaged in Gloomhaven, despite me kind of being kind of like, eh, about it. But, you know, I still respect it a lot. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is true. I mean, that's a, a really big thing. I mean, you know, this game tells the story of a misfit ragtag group of mercenaries who didn't know each other, aren't friends, don't like each other, and yet they've got to survive together in a dungeon. And, I mean, you can imagine that story in, in a movie or a TV show. And over time, they start to know each other and respect each other and make up for each other's strength. And that happens here. It happens here, but not because of level upgrades we've gotten, but because I get to know that as a ninja, when you say you're going really fast, that means you're going at an eight. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and again, it kind of encapsulate that feel that, you know, you, you see in storytelling. But again, this is, a stor- this is a story that isn't because Isaac Childress wrote a bunch of prose about, you know, vermlings that are invading the town. This is a story that grew out of our experiences and our choices that we made. As a random aside, I thought for sure when you were talking about like, oh, you're going to grow with your mercenary like gang and like learn to get to know them better. I thought I was about to say like, and then you'll retire and you don't, you, then you don't know each other again. But <laughs> Actually, and I love that retirement system too. I think it's absolutely brilliant that you're always, I mean, this is a game where you'll play for 100 hours, but you won't put more than 10 or 15 hours into a given character because eventually your character, when you get them, they have a life goal and eventually they will make that life goal. And then they will retire, and you will have to bring a new character in. And I know some people, when the game is first announced, like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to stick with my character for 100 hours. Believe me, you do not want to do that. Our first two characters that Jen and I played, Jen refused to retire. And she took that character all the way from level 1 to whatever's the top, I think level 8. And then she realized, oh, there's nowhere for him to go. And suddenly he got very boring all of a sudden. And, but, uh, but she couldn't complete her mission for me anymore because she had so many chances to do it. She said, I refuse to complete this guy's life mission. And... Um, <laughs> But when she finally did, it was very satisfying, especially because the characters who retire, they come back in little side missions every once in a while, too, which is a very nice touch also. Yeah, Gloomhaven is amazing, but apparently not amazing enough for you because we've already spoiled your guys' number one. <laughs> what is it? That's such a good segue, too. Yes. But yeah, Root. Whew. This game has destroyed like pretty much all area control games for me that are around the same time frame as it. Mm-hmm. Like, Basically, if I want to play something like medium-length area control, it's always going to be Root. If I want to play something longer, like probably like Twilight Imperium 4, but yeah, for the two-hour mark, Root is by far the best experience you can get out there. At least if you have a group that is up for it, because I am lucky enough to have a like chungus group of friends, like big like. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. All know the games ins and out like perfectly. So it's really easy to get a game of Root going. Like I hit up the group chat, and there's probably like three people available, and we can just play. Like, and then because everyone knows the game, right? This came by the way. What makes it so special is how asymmetric it is. Like, no other area control game is going to have the amount of asymmetry that Root has, okay? Like, every faction, they're almost playing, like, an entirely different game. It's how, like, that's how crazy it is. Like, as an example, right, just in the base game alone, there's, like, your, like, basic area control military guys, like the cats, right? They Mm -hmm. just build buildings. Those buildings can, like, get resources, and you can also use those buildings to spawn more cats. You run around and, like, fight things and build things. Very normal, right? And then you have, like, the Vagabond, where you just play as one guy. You are literally a D&D character. There's one guy running around doing quests and also probably slaughtering a bunch of cats in the process. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that is a completely different play style. And then the politics come out of all these different interactions get absurdly complicated. Like, because of all this crazy asymmetry, right, like, the death this game has is so fun to just jump into. 
and then if you have a group of friends and also yourself that everyone just knows all the factions, like everyone has played them all multiple times, everyone knows the rules, like ins and outs, like the amount of potential possibility any game can go into is insane, right? It's like on a similar level, maybe even more, maybe less, I don't even know exactly what it is than like Oath, where mm-hmm. like a game has so many different outcomes of like what can happen. And that makes it endlessly replayable. And on top of that, more expansions keep on game release, right? Yeah. We already love the game base. And then the Riverfolk Spanish came. I was like, oh my God, this is throwing a giant wrench and everything. We were learning that. We had a blast. And then we had the Underworld expansion. And it's like, this is making it even more great. Like, okay, with already the four asymmetric and base, that's already like a lot of like variety. Six factions, that's that's nutty. Mm-hmm. Now there's eight, and it's like, oh my God, the different permutations of what game states you can have with like what combinations of factions are in the game is. It's crazy. And there's already another expansion that's like I already back to Kickstarter. I didn't even read it. I just saw it. I was like, I'm backing it. Okay, that's how much I know I love the game. All right. Like the fact that 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 like there's just more expansions to make the game even more complicated. It's just like, okay, it might sound kind of bad, but if you're like a big fan of the game, it's like that is insanely fun to just jump into. So yeah, root. I, I don't even know how many games I played at this point. I want to say like yeah, like 60, 50, just somewhere up there. It is an absurd amount of time I put into like this game. I love it that much. And so apparently all of our friends. So <laughs> my only question for you is I've been stuck on it the entire time. You said you have a chunderous group of friends. I said chungus. I probably just said big group of friends. I don't know why I said chungus. chungus. You have a chungus <laughs> group of friends. I just wanted that to be clearly established in case the audience missed that you hang. I don't even know what that means. Um, so this was your <laughs> pick, right? I mean, is, is on Ash's list as well or. Uh, if I recall correctly, Ashton was like, the asymmetry is like too absurd for me. And also, Ashton was like a latecomer to it. That's, that's so the like, problem with this game. How uh, can anybody, played, like, how could, games, he's like, played how could games, anybody so. join your group of playing this game now? I mean, right? Because you all know it on an expert level, and you'll just completely rip poor Ash apart if he tries to come and learn all the deep waters of the asymmetry. But you guys just all learned it together, and that's the way you have to play it. Yeah, this game was actually a big wake-up call for me in that, yeah, I don't like that much asymmetry wow. in games. I've always thought I liked asymmetry, okay. right? But then you get to a certain point, like, wait, everyone is just playing two different mm-hmm. of games, which is yes. what Daniel likes. Yeah. So, like, why he likes it is why I don't really like it. Wow. I mean, also, when I'm, we're talking about, like, the accessibility thing, like, we've had friends who have, like, come in, like, late and then, like, just delve into it more. But, like, as far as I'm aware, like, those people, like, they, like... They saw something in the game that like hooked them more immediately, and they're willing to like put up with us and play a bunch of those games. Whereas if you like, I think you only played like what like four or five times. It's like no, I'm out. Like, <laughs> you know, we've definitely had friends who came in. That's why the group is so big. It used to be like only like five people. Now it's like I want to say like seven people all know to play the game like really well at this mm-hmm. point. So, I mean, it is possible to jump into it. It does take quite a bit of effort. I will say the game is not easy yeah. to learn, but thankfully, you know, we have a bunch of people who can teach it because yeah, the rule book. Uh, yeah, good luck with uh, you know learning the game that way. It's uh, it's crazy because of how asymmetric it is right so it's like yeah woo. yeah yeah man thank god i guess we have a group that can just tell people like hey here's how to say everything it works, is probably right? the deepest pool of anything we've talked about today and that includes gloomhaven it's yeah i just keep waiting for a really good co-op version because that's what i want i mean there is there is an expansion that's called the clockwork expansion and you can just play it against a bunch yeah. of bots have you like, tried that they have like all these uh I have not tried it because in our group, we're need just it. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to do area control. Let's beat each other up. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> it is something I need to try sometime. Because you know, I, I completely agree. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, and it's your number one. And oh, by the way, for folks who are watching, uh, good job on this video. It really does a good job of showing off your guys' skills. You make really gorgeous looking videos. You really dive deep into stuff. And you're very entertaining as well. And that's it, folks. We have made it. Phew. It feels like 90 degrees in here. It is so I don't know how you guys are doing. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I hopefully this actually recorded successfully. We will find out in just a second. But in closing, I want to say thanks, guys, so much. Um, it was very, very cool. I mean, you, you had such different lists than me. Really exposed folks to a lot of stuff they might not have seen, including some lesser knowns from some big, big heavy hitters out there. And uh, again, if you'd like to see more of these two guys, you can hit that eye in the top right corner screen or go follow the links in the show notes to find Shelf Side. I subscribe. I even patronage them. And uh, you might find some more stuff you enjoy, whether it's uh, you know uh, heavy storytelling, really dark, uh, meaty stuff, heavy war game area control, or throwing burritos at each other. So you guys really cover the gamut. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, thank you so much for letting us come on. I mean, I remember in high school, when I was oh, first getting to board games. No, no, no. I was looking at Castles of Burgundy. There's this guy in a castle talking about <laughs> Castles of Burgundy. Like, what is going on? And I just got totally sucked in. And for you to just reach out to us and let us do this, I'm just like, still kind of in disbelief. I'm a fan. What can I, I say? Castle? You you used to live in something that it looked was, like yes, a castle. It was, yes, it was a castle. Uh, we did literally live in a castle. It's called Emdina. It's in Malta. Uh, it was very, very cool. You can look it up on Wikipedia. And you're making me feel very old when you say, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to watch your show. It was like, oh, come on, man. I was 16. Come on. You're killing me here. Cool. Well, it was just awesome. Yeah, it was a pleasure, yeah, yeah. man. It was good having both you guys on. And, um, again, folks, go check them out. I think you'll you will – anybody will find something on their channel that is of interest because you guys – cover the gamut you are not one-stop shop like me and that is it folks we are done uh see you again in five years when i tell you about 10 more really great kickstarter games the best of the best oh this time you got no you got 19 because we did have one bit of overlap um quick what's your honorable mention what didn't make your list so we could actually talk tell people we have a 20 right guards of guards of atlantis two yeah yes oh my god so we yeah we wanted to put that on this list but it didn't make it because the criteria is it has to be games that are released already. Oh, so uh, you, you, but, you played it when it was on Kickstarter. You covered a prototype, but it's not available. Otherwise, it would have made your list. Guards of Atlanta. That's a, that's exactly, a mobile yeah. game, right? It would have been really high on the list, too. Like, I'm talking probably like, I don't know, four or five around there. Like, that game is good. Like, if you like Gloomhaven, but you also want PvP, wow. that's the game to check out. Like, that's saying something. Okay, yep. that, that's a, that is a good elevator pitch. And if they go to your channel, they can find out more about it? Uh, I just talked about it really briefly, but we should have a review coming in a couple okay, months. Okay. We'll see when the game right. comes in. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, there you go. 20 games, folks. And thanks, as always, for watching. Talk to you later. So long. Guys, say bye-bye. 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 Bye. 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 Stop it. Bye. Thanks Stop for watching. It. Bye.